happy Independence Day for you all. Uh, it's great to have you with us, especially those of you who are guests. Uh, it's uh, special for us. I know really that Tatchby Bear Valley is a destination. People come in and it's good. Uh, we're grateful to uh, connect with you and for you to have family time together. Uh, this morning, uh, most of you know we met out at the lake and it was a wonderful time. It was a little warm. Uh, Pastor got a little, you know, I forgot the sunscreen or my, my visor. Uh, visors don't work that well for bald guys. I just want to point that out. But anyways, um, it, was a, it was a great time. Uh, Debbie Papik, uh, most of you know who she is. Uh, she works real hard on the 4th of July festivities. And uh, it was just a blessing to be out there this morning. And I, I counted and there were about a billion people out there this morning. And so uh, anywhere... One and one to one and a half somewhere in there. Um, it was a great time. I don't know how many people were there, but it was uh, super fun. Um, I love I, I love my life here uh, in California. I am uh, was born and raised. Most of you know I was born and raised in Santa Barbara, and I've upgraded since then uh, to now I live in Bear Valley, Tatchby, and I love it here. I love uh, that we've gotten to raise our family here. Uh, some of them are, for the most part, raised and uh, grown up, uh, mature. Uh, I use that word tentatively, uh, but. Uh, uh, I love that we've gotten to live here in uh, this situation, in this setting. I love being a part of the United States of America. Most of you also know that my father uh, is an immigrant. He is uh, from Germany. He came at the end. There we go. Das ist eine Sinde, was du hast gemacht. That's about all I know. It, it's uh, That's a sin, what you just did. You know, that... Uh, uh, I only know that, you know, Germans are really like, <clears throat> they're always like condemning and stuff like that. that pray for me. Anyways, um, but my dad, uh, you know, he uh, he grew up on a farm in Germany at the end of World War II him and his family immigrated to the United States. And uh, he is not a great historian, but he's lived parts of history and uh, he loves the, the fact and so I just take it on his word uh, that this is a great place to live. And uh, I have traveled a little bit to Germany. I, I did get to go to the former Soviet Union. I traveled there when it was still communist. And uh, it was a stark contrast to what we experience here. In fact, I, I was reminded uh, even today that um, when I was in college, when I traveled to uh, Russia, I got to, um, I was in Moscow on July 4th. And uh, I was with other uh, Christians, about 15, 20 of us, and we were on a bus, and I remember us singing, um, you know, what we sang this morning, God Bless America. And it was, it was a unique thing for me to realize there is a difference. Uh, there is a difference in this life and um, the blessings that I get to experience by being uh, an American. I love being an American. Um, I'm also re- was reflecting on I in when I was in college, I had a, a roommate from Argentina, and he asked me about you know who I was, and I said, "Well, I'm an American," and he said, "So am I," and like it was shocking to me. It was shocking to me because he went on to explain that he's from South America, and that's part of. And I thought my mind was blown. Um, and anyways, uh, just to think that there are others around the world. Um, we, uh, 
This is Independence Day, right? This is the day we celebrate our independence, that we are not drinking hot tea and part of the British colonies, right? Um, We are celebrating that today. Um, I realize that it's not just that. Um, It's not about that we weren't a part of another country, uh, but it, it, what we celebrate today was the idea that we have independence, that we have freedom. Even what we are doing this morning of meeting together uh, in safety uh, to worship is part of this great independence that we are celebrating today. It's not just July 4th. Um, you could celebrate July 4th, but we could also say tomorrow, happy 5th of July, right? You know, it's just another day apart from us celebrating the Declaration of Independence and our freedoms that we have. Uh, Today, what I want to share with you is from the book of Philippians. And uh, it's at the end of chapter 3 of the book of Philippians. And um, I want to share with you the hope and confidence for the church in America. And I realize that... um, The book of Philippians wasn't written to uh, the United States of America, uh, but it was written to a church, uh, but it was also connected to them being a church in their place. And so as we think about who we are this morning, uh, we are really talking about those who are living in Tehachapi or in in the United States, if you're from another place. Um, And really what our hope and our confidence is will make a difference for us if there are difficult days to come. And I I don't share this as a prophet nor a son of a prophet, but I do believe there are difficult days to come. I don't believe that um, it's smooth sailing from here on in and then uh, God's gonna take us home. I I don't believe that. I believe it'll be difficult days and then he takes us home. And so uh, these are preparatory for us as God's people. I do think it's interesting too, and we've had some of this in the last months here, uh, that people are just upgrading. They're just looking for a better spot. Um, for those of you who have moved up to Tehachapi in the last couple of years, chances are the house that you moved into, those people moved to Texas, Tennessee, Florida, Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, the Nevada, maybe Arizona, maybe Arizona, I don't know. But uh, they're always looking. And I I realize as I hear my own family history and uh, the story I told you of my dad, that's what they were trying to do. And I realize that we have blessings in this life for a time, uh, but we're always looking for a better place. We're always looking for that next spot that will be better. And I find that a little bit in the passage uh, not just a little bit, but a lot in the passage that we are going to look at this morning. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you uh, from chapter 3 of the book of Philippians, and I'll look at verses 20, 21, and then into chapter 4. Uh, God's word says this, but our citizenship is in heaven, and, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. God, we ask your blessing on your word. Uh, We thank you for the opportunity to meet today, uh, to gather in your name. Help us to remember the grace that you have poured out on us that we might live in this day, 
but also that we would hear the good news of your word, the, the message of salvation, and that we might have a home forever in heaven with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Our citizenship, I assume uh, that as we are gathered here today, we are all U.S. citizens. I won't make you prove it. Um, I won't check your ID or anything like that. But if you're not, uh, that's fine too. You're uh, probably a citizen of another place. And even as you think about citizenship, we realize that it's a connection, a home connection uh, with uh, another place, uh, uh, the idea of identification. Um, we, we see this citizenship and we realize that um, it is something to be connected. As you think about your citizenship in the United States of America, it comes with privileges. Uh, I, I want to tell you this too, that uh, for everybody who's here today, everyone uh, that lives, your rights or your freedoms uh, don't come because of the country you live in. They don't come because of a document or a government and not even the Constitution. Um, they come, and you know, our founding fathers understood this, they come uh, on the basis of your creation. Your creator gave them to you. Uh, by being his creation, he gave you uh, certain freedoms. And obviously those uh, freedoms can be infringed upon and others can, can try to control you uh, above those, but we look in the book of Genesis chapter two, and we see made in the image and likeness of God, chapter one as well, one and two, made in the image and likeness of God. And so God did that in creation. He did that. He gave you those rights and freedoms uh, on on that basis. And so uh, we look this morning, and we as we talk about uh, this idea of citizenship we realize that uh, we get that from God here in this life. I want to remind you that Paul, the Apostle Paul, the one who wrote the book of Philippians, he was a citizen of Rome. In fact, when he got in trouble, which he was constantly in trouble with the law, in fact, he's probably under house arrest as he wrote the book of uh, Philippians, but when he was, got in trouble, he constantly went back to the privileges or the rights that he had as a Roman citizen, as a Roman citizen. So uh, as you think about this this morning, there's really a dual citizenship that Paul uh, claimed even as he wrote the book of Philippians. He was a Roman citizen um, and a citizen of heaven. In Rome, uh, we've been studying a little bit in the book of Daniel. We've been seeing that Rome was a superpower. I would even say it this way, a one-world superpower. It was in charge of most of the known world, and Paul uh, was connected to that, um, and he identified as a Roman citizen. But that citizenship uh, had let Paul down in the past. You, even as you think about the freedoms that we have here today, as you read in the book of Acts, Romans, and other places uh, in the New Testament, you realize that the Roman government did not give freedoms and did, uh, sought to control its citizens. And so as Paul was let down by the Roman government, um, that's what happens with human governments all the time. And I think that most of us could point to things that we would say in our government right now 
Uh, they've led us down in certain areas and we don't agree with everything. By the way, um, it's okay. It's okay. And it's good for you to say, I love America. I love America. I love being a, a citizen of the United States. I love it here. I love California. Um, and, and some of you are thinking right now, you say, oh, I can't say that. And I'd say, why can't you say that? And you'd say, well, you know, there's this one senator that I don't like or the speaker of the this or that or there's this law or this, there's this page in history that I don't like. And so, you know, I always want to say, I love it, but with qualifiers, like I don't like this law and that law. And I, and I say, why would you say that? Um, you, you know, for those of you who are married, for those of you who are married husbands, do you want your wife to say, I love you? I love you, honey, except for, and then list all the qualifiers of why, uh, you know, I, I love, I love you, but, but, you know, I, I want to tell you that, that we can easily say, I love America and understand the blessings here and that God has blessed us with the opportunity of this time in this place. Um, though it's temporary, right? That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Paul had Roman citizenship, but he also had heavenly citizenship. And I read to you, he said um, in verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven. And what we're looking at is what do citizens have? Um, and, And I would say it this way first, and this is kind of the big point. They have a permanent, infinitely superior home. Infinitely superior home. I, I say infinitely. You know why I say that, kids? Because it's a really big word. It's a really big one. Uh, when I was a kid, I remember uh, being at elementary school and talking with kids uh, on the playground or whatever. And whenever you get in an argument, a back and forth, you just say, infinity. And you won. You won. Because there's nothing bigger than infinity, okay? And, and to realize that it's the biggest word, like, and that's the reason I said it. I was thinking about, uh, thinking about Paul being from Rome or me being from the USA and my citizenship and then putting it next to heavenly citizenship. And how can you compare the two? How can you compare I want to tell you that it's infinitely better or superior uh, to be, uh, to have a home in heaven. Uh, it can't be compared. It's so much greater. It's interesting that the, the same guy who wrote Philippians wrote to the church at Corinth, the second letter he wrote to the church at Corinth uh, that's recorded for us. Uh, and he said in chapter five, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, he talked about this life or this body as a tent, tent living. Now, how many of you like camping? You like it. How many of you would like to live in a tent your whole life, your whole life sleeping on the ground? Oh, that sounds so miserable. Uh, like, you know, most of us, you like to do it for like a half hour out in your backyard on the lawn, right? That's how long you like to be in a tent. Uh, the, the idea of being in a tent, and that's part of the problem of this life, right? It's tent living. It's tent living. It's, it's not meant to be permanent. Um, we like to think about, you know, being permanent, and we kind of set up life like we're glamping or something like that. And we want to have all the conveniences like we're going to be here forever. But he says, no, it's tent living. 
uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, he, he talks about being a tent, but, but then he turns to what is to come and he says, but I have a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He, he's setting, you know, there's the tent, but the home that I really am going to have is going to be eternal in the heavens. It's going to be forever. Another book that Paul wrote, he describes this further and he Ephesians chapter 1, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I was thinking about that, that these every spiritual blessing, everything in, uh, what do you want? What do you want? I want it all. I want it all. Most of us, we, we think about that. In fact, that's the problem with getting something, right? You get something and then you say, oh, all I need is this now. You know, because you've got this, you need another thing. And sometimes uh, as you think about your friends and family and their stuff and you go, no, that's what I really need. I need something more. I, I want you to get this, that because of what we have in Christ, because of what Jesus has done, because of what we have in heaven, it's going to be everything. It's going to be everything. There will be no other thing that we're looking for. All the spiritual blessings uh, that we can imagine or need are in heaven for us. It's important for you to be able to identify down here, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. And when you find your needy in something like it, realize that that will be in heaven, that God will make up for that and he will complete that in heaven. There are blessings down here, but all the blessings or every one of them, these spiritual blessings will be in heaven. And lastly, I would just say about this, these superior, infinitely better um, resources that we have because of our citizenship in heaven. Uh, Paul says, he writes again, Colossians 1.5, he says, he, he describes really our riches. He says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Now, I want to ask you a question. How do you know someone's rich? How do you know someone's rich? Well, usually they tell you, right? They tell you they're rich, right? I'm so rich. And they, they want you to know. They want you to know. But, but how do they tell you you're, you're rich? Well, they buy a car. They buy a car and they say, hey, look at my car. Or, you know, they have a, a watch, a very fancy watch, you know. And they say, do you see my Rolex right here? It's worth a gazillion dollars. Does it tell time? You know, uh, no, it's just for show. Or maybe, maybe they have one of those gold chains like the rappers, you know, the big thick ones or athletes. Pastor Kevin was thinking about getting one of those just to wear while I'm preaching, just so you would know, just so you would know. Uh, you think about that when, when someone's wealthy, they can show you or they can show you a bank statement. I have this much money or I have this pile of gold or I, I have this kind of house. I, I can show you that I'm rich. I want to tell you that uh, houses, cars, clothes, jewelry, maybe even animals and golf carts, uh, people show that they're rich. But as God's people, as God's people, the ones who are citizens of heaven, the, the reason we know we're rich is not because of what we have down here. It's because of what is laid up for us in heaven. That's the place where it is. 
And so even as you may drive a junky car down here or have a house that's broken down or, you know, your clothes aren't everything you dreamed of uh, and you can't afford better, you realize that this isn't what shows your riches. Your riches are shown because of where uh, your wealth is and it's laid up in heaven for you. By the way, that's the place that's eternal, right? That's the place that goes on forever. So we see that... uh, For us as God's people, our citizens, we have a permanent, infinitely superior home in heaven. Paul writes further what it is to be a citizen of heaven. He says, uh, in verse 20, he says, "And, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who are citizens of heaven, or because we're citizens of heaven, we have a savior. We have a savior. You know why? I mean, first of all, we need a savior. Did you know that? We need a savior. Um, I I, want to tell you that those who don't believe in God are forever trying to convince themselves and others that they're not sinners. They're forever doing it. They're, they're, They're looking at their sinful, selfish, proud things and they're trying to justify and push away the guilt saying, no, this is normal for me to be selfish. And you should be selfish too. It's not wrong to be selfish. It's not wrong to be filled with myself and pride. They're forever pushing it away. When you uh, see in our culture uh, where uh, sinful things are being Um, thought of as right and good and accepted, maybe even laws to protect them, you can think to yourself, why are they trying to make sin not sinful? Why are they trying to justify sin? It's real simple. Because if there is no sin, there's no need for a savior. But let's live in reality, right? Let's live in reality. Let's, Let's be real with one another this morning. We are sinners, We're guilty. It's not because of our mother or our father. They may have taught us well, or may they they may even taught us to sin. But now now we're doing it on our own, right? We're making our choices on our own. And we are sinners. But praise God, there's a savior. A savior. And the description here, first of all, it's an identification. A savior who? Jesus Christ. He's the only one. There's not another savior. There's not another option to save you of your sins. It's only him. The savior is coming. Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is the one. And and, and so as we look at this, we we realize he's the only one. And what is he going to do when he comes? Verse 21, who will transform our lowly body uh, to be like his glorious body. He's going to change us. Now, now I want you to get this. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, have you been changed? Yes, yes. Uh, You can give testimony. I I was like this before I came to faith, and now the Lord has changed me. But um, this passage is saying that he's going to finish off the work when he comes. And is there things that are left to be finished in you? Yes. Yes. In an instant, he's going to take us from who we are to what he wants us to be. And 
it's hard for us to even gather this, but he says that our body or our lowly body, the one that we've been sinning in, making a mess of, it, you know, snap, crackle, and popping, you know, when we wake up in the morning, he's going to take that one and make it like his own glorious body. And that's hard for us to fathom what that's going to be like. That's what he's going to do. He's going to finish off the work. He's our savior. The only one, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to transform us. He's going to finish off the work and change us. And, and you may be wondering, uh, you know, how, well, he's got power over all things. And so as you think about this life and you think about what it is, what, you know, should I be worshiping Jesus? Yes, because he's got power over all. Um, and this is what he's going to do in this last time to subject all things to himself. Now, I just want to remind you that this isn't for all people. And when I say it's not for all people, it is for all people, the offer. But if you have not believed in Jesus Christ, this is not for you. Uh, I think most of us know uh, that the, the most you know, known verse in the Bible, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. So if he loved the world, what did he do? What was this love thing that he did for the world? He, he gave his only son. He gave this special son for us that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life, have eternal life. That, that's what we get. We remember we were talking about that. How do we get that? Because of Jesus, because of Jesus. Uh, I want to tell you the opposite is true as well. If we do not believe in Jesus, we do not have eternal life. We are, you know, we're a mess in this life. We're grabbing around trying to figure out how to make it alone. We don't have relationship with him. And then, and then uh, as we think about um, what it is life without him and uh, th- that we will go into eternity uh, punished for our sins, the sins that we had no savior for. I, I just want to remind you of that, that freedom comes from our sin, not because of a country or a time or even our, our birthplace in our family, but because of Jesus Christ and him and him alone. Well, as God's people, uh, what do we do now? And I, I was just sharing with somebody that as you look at the Bible, the, the numbers aren't inspired, okay? The chapters and verses are not inspired. And I feel like this is one of those places where they kind of blew it on the chapter uh, divisions. Chapter 3, um, I think, should have the first verse of chapter 4 in as well. It says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Stand firm. You think about this and Paul just oozes. He just oozes with love for the Philippian church. He just loves them so much. And there's reasons for that in the book of Philippians. They had uh, sent him a love gift. They cared about him. They prayed for him. They partnered with him. They responded to him. And uh, God had knit their hearts together in the gospel. And so as he communicates with them, He just loves, loves, loves them. He considers them brothers. And I want to tell you that this is what we're trying to do here at Bear Valley Church. We're not just trying to be uh, an organized church. In fact, we're not very organized. We're not very organized. Uh, We're just fumbling around. And we're not trying to be uh, an institution or we're not trying to um, 
be a business. In fact, if we were a, bi- a business, we'd be a terrible business because uh, we're just spending money. We're not making anything, okay? Um, th- this is not what this is. Well, what is it then? It's a family that loves one another. As you look at this, he says, brothers whom I love, long for, uh, as he was away from them. He, his heart was with him, even though that uh, they were away. He says, my joy and crown. It, the, the picture there, and, and most of you who are grandparents, you know how this goes, right? Um, even if your grandkids aren't around, you know, if somebody brings them up, there's a smile to you, right? There's, there's a joy. There, because of your love for them, there's this, there's this uh, incredible love for them. And, you, you know, even calling them beloved. But what does he say for them to do? And I want to tell you that citizens of heaven have a job to do. There, there's a danger for us. There's a danger for us. And say, well, I'm a citizen of heaven. Uh, and you say, well, what are you doing here? And you go, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing here. God just left me here for a while. And I'm waiting for him to take me home so I can get to my real home. Uh, this is just temporary, so this doesn't matter. And so you wait and you go, oh, I'm just here wasting time. I want to tell you, we're not wasting time. We have a job to do. It's in verse one. What is it then? Stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm in the Lord. And, and you say, well, that doesn't sound very active. Active. It is active. You know why? Because we have people and culture, governments, pushing in on us. To, for us to give up the place of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only message. What did I tell you before? That the world is trying to convince themselves and others that there is no sin. There is no sin. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's part of the gospel message. You're a sinner and you need a savior. Okay? Uh, know this, that what is our job then? It's to stand firm in the gospel, to love the gospel, that this message of Jesus' death, burial, his resurrection, that we believe that that, that those things that Jesus did are enough for us, that we believe that was sufficient to cleanse us for our sins. That's the message that we will uh, trust in for our salvation. We need to stand firm in that. Why? Because people are going to say, I got a better way. I got the new and improved way. I, I, I got a different idea. I got this computer who's figured everything out. And this computer will be better than uh, your God, right? Uh, that, that's an old message. We got the new and improved message. Uh, you, you think about it now that everything, if you had a computer, um, I don't know the first computer that you own. Some of you are older than I am, but I'm older than some of you. So there you go. Um, I remember my first computer. Uh, this is sad to me, but like some of you don't even know what a floppy disk is, right? And some of you don't really know what a floppy disk is. You know what a hard disk is, but that was the first disk. Anyways, the original ones were actually floppy. You know, you can wave them around like this. That was my first computer, a Commodore 64. You could do virtually nothing on there, you know? Um, Yeah, computers are better all the time, right? And so if I said, hey, I got a Commodore 64, you'd go, first of all, what is it? Why? You know, why? 
And what is it? What can I do? I don't know. I'm probably nothing now. But the idea of getting something better, that's the, the American way, right? We're always trying to get something better. I want to tell you that there is nothing better than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing that's going to come in the future that's better, sufficient, able to save you. And so he's called us to stand firm. This picture here is this, that to hold on to the right answer. I've shared this with you before, but I think it's a great example of taking tests in high school and college. You know, you got multiple guests, A, B, C, D, uh, and what is the right answer? And you you maybe don't know, but you're like, man, I think it's B. And so you mark B, and then you start to think, and you go, no, we have, we haven't had a C for a while. Maybe it's C, and then you cross that out, and you put C, and, and then you're like, oh, but D sounds right, too. Okay, get rid of that D, you know. And, and this idea that you are just keep switching your answer, I want to tell you, what should you do when you have the right answer? What should you do? Leave it. Stay with it. Cling to it. Somebody says, are you sure that one's right? Yeah, it's the right answer. Hey, everyone over here, there's 10 people who doesn't, don't think that's the right answer. It doesn't matter how many. It could be a million people. It's the right answer. We stick with it. Stand firm. I want to tell you that as God's people, the challenge is not to take new territory. It's to stand firm. It's to stand firm. It's to keep doing what we're supposed to be doing. Cling to the gospel personally. Share the gospel. Obey the Lord. Walk in his ways. Be part of what he's doing today. What is he doing today? Building his church. Serving in the church. Walking with the Lord. Loving your wife. Loving your husband. Loving your children, raising them in the scriptures. Looking for opportunity to serve. What is God doing and how can I get involved? This is how we stand firm in this day. Whatever happens. What's going to happen in the future? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I wonder. But I want to ask you, you know, What the future holds, I don't know. But what will change the worth of the gospel? What will change? Nothing. Nothing. It'll still be the right answer. It'll still be the the answer for us, the way we become citizens of heaven, the way we gain uh, the goodness and the riches of our God who loved us so much. If you don't know the Savior, I'd love to talk to you more about that. Um, I'm available this morning, but also this week if you want to give me a call I'd love to talk to you more about saving faith that you would be ready and fit for heaven God thank you for this morning thank you for the grace of the gospel that that you would love sinners um, that you would send your son to be the savior of those of us who trust in him God we realize that apart from 
apart from you, uh, we're lost. And we're lost today, but more importantly, lost for eternity. And so, God, we're grateful for your gift of your son. God, do your work in your church. We pray for our country. We realize our country is in a mess without you. And I pray that your people in different places and all places, that your church would be established to be a lighthouse that people could come and know the saving message of the gospel. God, thank you for this morning. Glorify yourself here at Bear Valley Church, we pray. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.